0: أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله Fa'uzu b'illahi mina shaytanir I'm a غَيْرِ <laughs> الْمَقْتُوبِ
1: After reciting the Tashahud Ta'uz and Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalid Al-Masih the the V, Iyadullah Ta'ala ibn Surajee stated, Today I will continue the sermons of the Badari companions The companion who I will speak about today is Hazrat Suhaib bin Sinan radiallahu anhu. The name of Hazrat Suhaib's father was Sinan bin Malik, while his mother's name was Salma bin Qaid. Hazrat Suhaib was from Mosul. Hazrat Sohaib's father or his uncle was the governor of Al-Abullah for the Chosrois. Al-Abullah is a city on the banks of the Tigris River, which later came to be known as Basra. The Romans attacked that region and took Hazrat Sohaib as a prisoner when he was a child. <coughs> According to Abul Qasim al Maghribi, the name of Hazrat Suhaib was Umayrah, but the Romans gave him the name of Suhaib. Hazrat Suhaib had a deep reddish complexion, he was neither tall nor short, and had thick hair. He grew up among the Romans and had a speech impediment. A man named Kalb bought him from the Romans and brought him to Mecca. Abdullah bin Judan then bought him and set him free. Hazrat Sahib remained with Abdullah bin Judan in Mecca until his death and subsequently the Holy Prophet was divinely commissioned by God Almighty. According to one narration, the children of Hazrat Sahib said that when Hazrat Sahib reached the age of maturity, he fled the Roman Empire and came to Mecca, where he became a confederate of Abdullah bin Judan and remained with him until his death. Regarding Hazrat Sohaib, Hazrat anhu states, one of the slaves was Sahib. He was captured and brought from the Roman Empire. He was a slave of Abdullah bin Judan, who later set him free. Sahib also believed in the Holy Prophet and endured various kinds of hardships as a result of this. Hazrat Muslimat has stated this in light of the allegation of the disbelievers, which has been mentioned in the Holy Quran, in that they would allege that the Holy Prophet composed the Quran with the help of slaves or others. One answer to this allegation is that these very slaves faced hardships and persecution due to their conversion to Islam. Thus, did these slaves help the Holy Prophet in order to be afflicted by hardships? Moreover, they not only helped him secretly, they also helped him openly as well and then endured all hardships and persecution with steadfastness. Hazrat Muslimat has <laughs> explained that this allegation was completely baseless. It was the faith of those believers in the Holy Prophet ﷺ and God Almighty that kept them steadfast. They learnt Islam from the Holy Prophet ﷺ and believed in the revelation from Allah the Exalted. Nonetheless, this was the background to the aforementioned extract. Hazrat Ammar bin Yasir states. I met Suhaib at the door of dar e The Holy Prophet was also present there. I asked him, What is your intention? Suhaib asked me, What is your intention? I said, I want to go to Muhammad ﷺ and listen to his words. Hazrat Suhaib said, This is also my intention. Hazrat Ammar states, Both of us then went to the Holy Prophet and he preached the message of Islam to us. So we both accepted Islam. We spent the whole day there until night fell. Then we left in secret. Hazrat Ammar and Hazrat Suhaib accepted Islam after more than 30 people. Hazrat Anas radiallahu anhu narrates that the Holy Prophet said, Four people have excelled others in accepting Islam. I have taken the lead from among the Arabs. Suhaib has taken the lead from among those of the Roman Empire. Salman has taken the lead from among the people of Persia. Bilal has taken the lead from among the people of Abyssinia. Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud narrated that the first seven individuals who professed to be Muslims were the Holy Prophet Wasallam, to whom the law was revealed, Abu Bakr, Ammar, his mother Sumayya Bilal, Suhaib, Bilal and Miqdad. The Holy Prophet wa sallam, was protected through his paternal uncle Abu Talib and Allah the Almighty protected Abu Bakr through his tribe. I have already elaborated on this in my previous sermon that this is the understanding of the narrator. Otherwise, the Holy Prophet wasalam, and Hazrat Abu Bakr anhu were also made a target of these cruelties. Even though they remained somewhat protected in the beginning, they were later subjected to these cruelties. The narrator says that the others were seized by the adulterers, shackled in iron chains and burnt in the heat of the sun. There was none among them who did not succumb to the demands of their masters with the exception of Bilal whose circumstances were such that he had completely resigned himself to the will of God and held no worth in the eyes of the society around him. They would seize him, hand him to the youths, who would then drag him around the valleys of Makkah. However, Bilal would repeatedly say Ahad, Ahad i.e. God is one, God is one. Nevertheless, as I have mentioned, all of them endured cruelties, but each one of them displayed steadfastness in their faith. Nonetheless, the narration we find in relation to Hazrat Bilal indicates that he was subjected to severe persecution. Then it is narrated that Hazrat Sahib was among those believers who were considered to be weak and were tortured in Mecca because of his belief. These believers also had to go through many hardships. According to one narration, Hazrat Ammar bin Yasir would be tortured to such an extent that he would have no recollection of what had happened. The same was the case of Hazrat Soheib, Hazrat Abu Faid, as at Ahmed bin Fuhera and other companions, the following verse was revealed in relation to these companions. <laughs> Meaning, then surely thy Lord to those who fled their homes after they had been persecuted and then struggled hard in the cause of Allah and remained steadfast, surely after thy Lord is most forgiving, merciful. According to one narration, the last individuals to migrate to Medina were Hazrat Ali and Hazrat Suhaib bin Sinan who migrated in the middle of Rabiul Awul. The Holy Prophet was staying in Quba and had not yet set off for Medina. In one narration it is mentioned that when Hazrat Sohaib set off to migrate towards Medina, a party of idolaters pursued him. He subsequently dismounted, emptied his quiver and said, O party of the Quraysh, You know that I am among your most skillful archers. By Allah, you will not be able to reach me until I fire all of my arrows at you. I will then fight you with my sword until I am left empty-handed. Therefore, you may do as you please. If it is my wealth that you desire, I will tell you where it is and you may then leave my path. These people replied in the affirmative. Hence, Hazrat Sahib told them where his wealth was. And when he presented himself before the Holy Prophet ﷺ, the Holy Prophet ﷺ said that this transaction had been profitable for Abu Yahya, i.e. it had been beneficial for him. The narrator says that upon this, the following verse was revealed. Meaning, and of men there is he who would sell himself to seek the pleasure of Allah. And Allah is compassionate to his servants. According to one narration, Hazrat Suhaib anh, went to the Holy Prophet anh, after migrating from Makkah to Medina. At the time, he was in Kuba, and with him were Hazrat Abu Bakr anh, and Hazrat Umar. At the time, they all had fresh dates in front of them which were brought by Hazrat Kulsum bin Hidam. On the way, Hazrat Suhaib contracted an eye infection, i.e. he had an ailment of the eye but was also suffering from starvation and was very tired from his journey. Hazrat Sohaib rushed towards the dates when Hazrat Umar said, O Messenger of Allah, look at Sohaib. He has an eye infection and is eating the dates. The Holy Prophet replied in a light-hearted manner saying, You are eating the dates despite your eye infection i.e., he had swollen eyes with tears running down them. Hazrat Sahib <laughs> <Hazrat soheb laughs> then said, I am eating whilst using the side of my eye which is healthy. Upon hearing this, <laughs> the Holy Prophet <laughs> smiled. Hazrat Sahib turned to Hazrat <laughs> Abu Bakr and said, You promised me you would take me with you in the migration, but you went without me. <laughs> He then turned to the Holy Prophet and said, O Messenger of Allah, you also promised to take me along with you on the migration, but you also left without me. The Quraysh captured me and detained me, so I had to buy my freedom and that of my family by giving up my wealth. The Holy Prophet replied, This was a very beneficial trade indeed. Thereafter, God Almighty revealed the verse. <coughs> <coughs> Meaning, and of men there is he who will sell himself to seek the pleasure of Allah and Allah is compassionate to his servants.
2: <laughs>
3: Hazrat,
1: Hazrat Sahib said, "O messenger of Allah, I took with me one mud of flour as provisions for my journey, which I prepared at Abwa until I reached you. This was all he had to eat in this journey."
3: In this regard, Hazrat, mm-hmm. Hazrat
1: mm-hmm. Musleh mm-hmm. Wano writes, Sohaib was a prosperous merchant
3: and in Mecca
1: he was considered a reputable person. But despite the fact that he was wealthy and was no longer a slave, the Quraysh continued to beat him even after his release to the extent that he would pass out when the Holy Prophet left Mecca and migrated to Medina Sahib also wanted to migrate but the Meccans stopped him from doing so they said that he was not permitted to take the wealth he had earned in Mecca with him Sahib offered to surrender all his property and earnings and asked whether they would then let him go the Meccans accepted the arrangement Sahib handed everything over to them and reached Medina empty-handed and met the Holy Prophet
2: ﷺ. The Holy Prophet
1: ﷺ said to him, Out of all the transactions you have ever made, this was the best. In other words, he previously used to earn money by trading goods. But this time, he traded money in return for his faith.
3: <laughs>
1: After Hazrat Souhaib migrated from Makkah to Medina, the Holy Prophet ﷺ established a bond of brotherhood between him and Hazrat Harith bin Sima. <laughs> 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 Hazrat Souhaib participated in the battles of Badr, Uhud, Khandak, and all other battles alongside the Holy Prophet. ﷺ. Hazrat Aiz bin Amr narrates that Hazrat Salman, Hazrat Sahib, and Hazrat Bilal were sat amongst a group of people when Abu Sufyan bin Harb walked past. They said to him, Allah the Almighty's sword has not yet struck the necks of his enemies. Upon this, Hazrat Abu Bakr said, Is this how you speak about the leaders and chieftains of the Quraysh? The Holy Prophet وسلم, was informed of this incident to which the Holy Prophet وسلم, said, O Abu Bakr, perhaps you have angered them. If this is the case, then you have also angered God Almighty. Therefore, Hazrat Abu Bakr وسلم, went back to those people and said, O my brethren, perhaps you are aggrieved because of me. To this they replied, No, O Abu Bakr, may Allah grant you forgiveness.
3: Hazrat
1: Soheib relates, Whatever battle the Holy Prophet ﷺ was present in, I too participated. Whatever pledge of allegiance the Holy Prophet ﷺ took, I too was there. Whatever expedition the Holy Prophet ﷺ sent forth, I too was part of it. Whatever battle the Holy Prophet ﷺ departed for, I was alongside him. I was to his right or to his left. Whenever the people perceived a threat from in front, I would go ahead. And when they sensed danger from behind, I would go behind them. I never allowed the enemies to get through me and to reach the Holy Prophet وسلم, up until he departed from this world, i.e., until the Holy Prophet وسلم, passed away. In his advanced years, Hazrat Sahib would gather people around him and mention interesting incidents of his achievements in battle. Hazrat Sahib was not a native speaker, i.e., his language was not as eloquent as the Arabs.
3: Zaid bin Aslam relates from his
1: father. I went with Hazrat Umar radiallahu anhu until he entered the garden of Hazrat Sohaib in Aliyah.
3: When Hazrat Sohaib saw Hazrat Umar, he
1: said, Yannas, Yannas. Hazrat Umar radiallahu anhu thought he was saying annas So he said, What has happened to him that he is calling people? The narrator then says, I replied saying that he was calling his servant, whose name was Yuhannas, and he calls him in this way due to the impediment in his speech. Hazrat Umar then said, O Soheb, then they began to discuss certain matters. I see only three shortcomings in you. If they were not present in you, I would not give any person superiority over you. I see that you associate yourself with the Arabs, whereas your language is foreign. You say that your appellation is Abu Yahya, which is the name of a prophet, and you waste your money when spending.
3: Hazrat (laughs) Hazrat Suhaib (inaudible) r.a. answered
1: As for what you say about me wasting money the truth is that I spend only where it is required and not unnecessarily Regarding my appellation it was the Holy Prophet who gave me the title of Abu Yahya therefore I shall never renounce it As for my affiliation with the Arabs the Romans had enslaved me when I was young So that is why I learnt their language. But I belong to the tribe of Namir bin (coughs) Qasid.
3: Hazrat
1: Umar had great love for Hazrat Suhaib and thought very highly of him. When Hazrat Umar sustained an injury, he mentioned in his will that Hazrat Suhaib will lead his funeral prayer. And he will also lead the Muslims in prayer for three days until the members of the Electoral Committee choose the Khalifa. Hazrat Suhaib passed away in the month of Shawal, 38 Hijri. But according to some, he passed away in 39 Hijri. At the time of his demise, Hazrat Suhaib was 73 years of age, whilst according to other narrations he was 70 years old and was buried in Medina. The next companion whose accounts will be mentioned is Hazrat Saad bin Rabi. Hazrat Saad bin Rabi belonged to the Banu Haris clan of the Khazraj tribe of the Ansar. His father's name was Rabi bin Amr and his mother's name was Huzela bin Inaba. Hazrat Saad had two wives, Umrah bint Hazm, and Habiba bint Zaid. Hazrat Saad bin Rabi had two daughters. One of the daughters' name was Umm Saad, which has also been reported as Umme Said. However, her, her real name was Jamila.
3: Hazrat Saad bin Rabi was able
1: to read and write even during the Jahiliyyah period i.e., the era of ignorance before the advent of Islam, when not many could do so at the time. Hazrat Saad was one of the chieftains of the Banu Haris, and Hazrat Abdullah bin Rawaha was also one of the chieftains of this tribe along with him. Hazrat Saad was present during the first and second pledge at Aqaba. After the migration to Medina, the Holy Prophet established a bond of brotherhood between Hazrat Saad and Hazrat Abdul Rahman bin Auf. In the narration of Sahih Bukhari, in which Hazrat Abdul Rahman bin Auf relates, that when he arrived in Medina, the Holy Prophet ﷺ established a bond of brotherhood between him and Saad bin Rabi. Upon this, Saad bin Rabi stated, I am the wealthiest among the Ansar. Therefore, I shall give you half of my wealth and whichever of my two wives you like, I will separate from her for you. Once her iddat has passed, you can marry her. Hazrat Abdul Rahman bin Auf replied to Hazrat Saad bin Rabi that he did not require anything. All he needed to know from him was whether there was a marketplace where people could trade. Hazrat Sa'ad informed him that there was a marketplace in Banu Qainqa. Subsequently, early next morning, Hazrat Abdul Rahman went there and purchased cheese and clarified butter. Similarly, he went to the marketplace every morning. Not long had passed that once Hazrat Abdul Rahman came before the Holy Prophet ﷺ and had a mark of saffron on him. In those days, they would mark saffron to serve as a sign that one had recently got married. In any case, the Holy Prophet asked if he had married,
2: and he replied in the affirmative.
1: The Holy Prophet inquired who he got married to, and he replied that it was a woman belonging to the Ansar. The Holy Prophet then asked how much dowry he gave and he stated that he gave gold the size of a nugget, or he said, a nugget of gold. Upon this, the Holy Prophet ﷺ stated he should hold a valima, even if it be for a single sheep. In other words, he was told to arrange for a valima according to his means. Has Asad bin Rabi participated in the battles of Badr and Uhud and was martyred during the Battle of Uhud. On the day of Uhud, the Holy Prophet ﷺ stated, Who will bring me the news of Saad bin Rabi? I will... someone submitted. And so this individual went forth and began searching for him among those who had been slain. Upon seeing this individual, Hazrat Saad asked him how he was, and he replied, "I have been sent by the Messenger of Allah وسلم, so I can inform him about your condition." Hazrat Saad stated, "Convey my salam, i.e., my greetings, to the Holy Prophet وسلم, and inform the Holy Prophet that I have received twelve spear wounds." And those who engaged in battle with me have been condemned to the hellfire. In other words, whoever came up against him was killed. And tell my people that if the Holy Prophet wasallam) is martyred while a single one of them is still alive, then remember that they shall have no excuse to offer before God Almighty. It is stated that it was Hazrat Ubay bin Kaab who went to inquire about the condition of Hazrat Saad. According to another narration, it states that Hazrat Saad told Hazrat Ubay bin Kaab, Let my people know that Saad bin Rabi says they ought to fear Allah the Almighty and the pledge they took at the hands of the Messenger of Allah, Allah, Sallallahu Allah Sallam, on the night of Aqaba. By God, they shall have no excuse before God if the eyes of even one of them still flickers, i.e. if any one of them was still alive, and the enemy was to reach the Holy Prophet. Hazrat Ubay bin Kaab narrates that he was still by the side of Hazrat Saad when he passed away. His body was covered in wounds. And when he returned and presented himself before the Holy Prophet ﷺ and informed him of the conversation he had and the condition he was in, the Holy Prophet ﷺ stated, May Allah the Almighty have mercy upon him. In his lifetime and even after his demise, he continued to serve Allah and his Messenger. Hazrat Sa'ad bin Rabi and Hazrat Khajah bin Zayed were buried in one grave. Hazrat Sahib Mirza Bashir Ahmed Sahib anhu mentions the account of Hazrat Sa'ad's martyrdom in the following manner. Now the Holy Prophet ﷺ had also descended into the battlefield, and the work of tending to the bodies of the martyrs was underway. At the time, the site was before the Muslims was one to bring forth tears of blood. I. After the battle had finished, despite his own injuries, the Holy Prophet ﷺ went around the battlefield and advised on how to take care of the bodies of the martyrs and organized the burials. Nonetheless, the scene before the Muslims was one of horror, so much so that it can be said that it would bring forth tears of blood. Seventy Muslims were laying in the field of battle, smothered in dust and blood, and they displayed a horrific scene of the barbaric Arab tradition known as musla. Not only had they been martyred, their limbs had been cut, and their bodies had been disfigured by the disbelievers. He further writes, Among the casualties, there were only six Muhajireen, and the rest were all from the Ansar. The number of men slain from among the Quraysh was
2: 23. When the Holy
1: Prophet wasallam) came to the body of his paternal uncle and foster brother, Hamza bin Abdul Muttalib, he was stunned because Hind, the barbaric wife of Abu Sufyan, had severely spoiled his dead body. For some time the Holy Prophet ﷺ stood there silently and signs of grief and anger were evident upon his countenance. For a moment's time the Holy Prophet ﷺ even thought to himself that until these bloodthirsty beasts of Mecca were not given a taste of their own medicine, perhaps they would never come to their senses. But then the Holy Prophet refrained from this idea and exhibited patience. As a matter of fact, after this, the Holy Prophet prohibited the custom of musla, i.e., to disfigure corpses, in Islam forever, and said that the enemy may do as it pleases, but the Muslims should in any case refrain from such a barbaric practice and follow a course of virtue and benevolence. Safiya bint Abdul Muttalib, the paternal aunt of the Holy Prophet, loved her brother Hamza very dearly. Upon hearing news of the defeat of the Muslims, she had also come out of Medina. The Holy Prophet instructed her son, Zubair bin Al Awam, not to show his mother the body of his maternal
3: uncle.
1: But how could a sister's love allow her to sit at rest? Although her son told her not to see the body of Hazrat Hamza, as it had been severely disfigured. Let me see the body of Hamza, she insisted. I promise to demonstrate patience and shall not utter a word of complaint or lament. Hence, she went and upon seeing the body of her brother, she said, inna wa inna raji'un. After this, she did not say a word. He further writes, The Quraysh had more or less meted out the same barbaric treatment to the bodies of the other companions as well. Hence, the body of Abdullah bin Jahash, the paternal cousin of the Holy Prophet had also been severely disfigured. As the Holy Prophet ﷺ would move from one body to the other, signs of pain and anguish would become more and more evident upon his countenance. It was perhaps at this occasion when the Holy Prophet ﷺ said, Someone go and inquire about the state of Saad bin Arabi, chief of the Ansar. Is he alive or has he been martyred? During the battle, I saw that he was perilously surrounded by the lances of the enemy upon the instruction of the Holy Prophet Ubay bin Kaab a companion from among the Ansar began to search for Saad here and there on the battlefield but to no avail finally he began to exclaim in a loud voice and called out the name of Saad again and again but no sign of him could be found losing hope he was about to return when he suddenly thought that he should call out the, with the name of the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi and perhaps in this manner, a clue may be found. Initially, he only called him out by name, but then thought perhaps he could call out saying that the Holy Prophet had sent him. As such, he began to call out, "Where is Saad bin Arabi? The Messenger of Allah has sent me to him." At the sound of this, an electric current surged through the half-dead body of Saad. Although he was near to his death, upon hearing the name of the Holy Prophet ﷺ, he became alert. Suddenly, becoming alert, but in a very soft voice, he responded, "Who is it? I am here." When Ubay bin Kab peered into the distance, amongst a pile of dead bodies, he caught sight of Saad, who at the time was in his final breaths, giving up his life. Ubay bin Kab said. The Holy Prophet ﷺ has sent me so that I may inform him of your condition. Saad responded, Submit my greetings of peace to the Messenger of Allah ﷺ and tell him, May Allah grant you the spiritual reward which is given to all the prophets of God due to the sacrifice and sincerity of their followers to a greater extent than all the other prophets. And grant you the delight of your eyes. Convey my greetings of peace to my Muslim brethren as well. And tell my people that if the slightest injury is inflicted upon the Holy Prophet, while even a breath of life remains within them, then remember that they shall have no excuse before God Almighty. After these words, Saad gave his life. Hazrat Muslim Awad has also mentioned this account in his own words and states, There is an incident that took place on the occasion of the Battle of Uhud. After the battle, the Holy Prophet sent Hazrat Ubay bin Ka'b to go and inquire about the state of those who had been wounded. While searching for the wounded, Hazrat Ubay bin Ka'b reached Hazrat Sa'ad bin Rabi, who had been severely injured and was almost breathing his last.
2: Hazrat
1: Hazrat Uh, Ubay bin Kaab asked him if he had any message he would like him to convey to his relatives and dear ones.
2: (inaudible) (inaudible) Hazrat
1: Saad smiled and said, I was waiting for a Muslim to come who I could deliver my message to. Place your hand in mine and promise me (inaudible) that you will certainly convey my message. The message he then gave was as follows. Convey my salam to my Muslim brothers and tell my people and my relatives that the Messenger of Allah is the greatest trust bestowed upon us by Allah the Almighty and we ought to protect this trust with our very lives. I must now depart from this world and hand over this trust to you. Let it not be that you show weakness in this regard. After narrating this account, Hazrat, Hazrat Muslim mm-hmm. mm-hmm. stated, Ponder, at such a time when one feels as if they are about to die, one entertains all kinds of thoughts in their heart. He thinks about the circumstances his wife would have to face or who will tend to the needs of his children, etc. However, this companion did not convey any such message of this kind and simply said that he is departing this world whilst he was striving to protect the Holy Prophet ﷺ and they ought to do the same and follow after him. To protect the Holy Prophet ﷺ was the greatest task. Hazrat Muslimat Anhu continues, It was this very strength of faith that enabled them, i.e. the Muslims, to bring about a revolution in the world and topple the rule of the Romans and the Persians. The Roman emperor was astonished as to who those people were. Likewise, Chosroy wrote to one of his generals and told him that if he cannot defeat the Arabs, then he should return and instead sit at home wearing bangles. He also stated to his general that the Arabs were such people that would eat ordure, and yet he could not even stop them. In other words, he considered them to be extremely lowly people who would have nothing to eat and would instead eat ordure. In reply, the general stated that they did not appear as mere mortals, but rather they were like a force that would come galloping over the swords and spears. Such was their passion and vigor, and therefore, how could they defeat them? On one occasion, Umm Sa'ad, the daughter of Hazrat Sa'ad bin Rabi, came to see Hazrat Abu Bakr anhu, who laid down one of his own cloths for her to sit. Hazrat Umar anhu asked Hazrat Abu Bakr, Who was she? Hazrat Abu Bakr replied, She is the daughter of the one who was better than you and I. Hazrat Umar inquired, O Khalifat Rasul, who was that person? Hazrat Abu Bakr replied, He is the one who passed away in the lifetime of the Holy Prophet ﷺ and received his place in paradise, whereas you and I are still here today. Hazrat Jabir bin Abdullah relates that the wife of Hazrat Saad bin Rabi along with her two daughters came to see the Holy Prophet ﷺ and said, O Messenger of Allah ﷺ, these two are the daughters of Sa'ad bin Rabi, who fought alongside you in the Battle of Uhud and was martyred. Their paternal uncle has taken all their inheritance, i.e., their uncle had taken all their wealth that was left by Sa'ad bin Rabi, leaving them with nothing. Furthermore, their nikah cannot take place until they have some money. The Holy Prophet ﷺ replied, Allah the Almighty will reveal his verdict regarding this matter. Subsequently, the verses regarding inheritance were revealed. The Holy Prophet ﷺ then called their uncle and instructed him to give one-third of the wealth of Saad to his daughters and to give one-eighth to their mother, and the remainder will be his share. Whilst making reference to this incident, Hazrat Muzabashir Ahmed Sahib has shed light on this in Sir Khatam and Nabeen. Saad was an affluent man and possessed a distinct status within his tribe. He did not have any male offspring, only two daughters and a wife. Until now, no new injunctions regarding the division of inheritance had been revealed to the Holy Prophet ﷺ. As such. Inheritance was divided among the companions according to the ancient custom whereby if the deceased did not have any male offspring his paternal relatives would take possession of the inheritance and the widow and daughters would be left empty-handed. Therefore, upon the martyrdom of Saad bin Rabi his brother took possession of all the inheritance. And his widow and daughters were left completely without support. Troubled by this distress, the widow of Saad presented herself before the Holy Prophet along with her two daughters, and expressed her grief whilst relating the entire account.
3: This painful account hurt the pure disposition of the Holy Prophet ﷺ.
1: But since no injunctions had been revealed to the Holy Prophet Sallallahu from God in this respect, the Holy Prophet Sallallahu said, Wait for some time and a verdict shall be given according to the injunctions which are revealed by God. As such, the Holy Prophet Sallallahu supplicated to God and it was not long before a few of the verses regarding inheritance were revealed to the Holy Prophet Sallallahu which have also been vouchsafed in Surah An-Nisa of the Holy Qur'an. At this, the Holy Prophet called the brother of Saad and instructed him to give two-thirds of the inheritance to the daughters of Saad, one-eighth to his sister-in-law, and to keep whatever remained thereafter. From then on, new laws of the division of inheritance were instituted, whereby... A wife is entitled to one eighth of her husband's inheritance if he has children, and one fourth if he does not have any children. And a daughter is entitled to a portion equivalent to half of her brother from the inheritance of her father. And if she has no brothers, then two thirds or half. Depending on the circumstances. And a mother is entitled to a sixth portion of the inheritance of her son if he has children, and a third if her son does not have any children. Similarly, the portions of other heirs were also fixed, and in this way, the natural right of a woman which had been snatched from her was returned. <laughs>
3: Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmad Sahib has written a note saying,
1: At this occasion, it would not be irrelevant to note that from among the salient features of the teachings of the Holy Prophet one distinction is that he fully safeguarded all the rightful and legitimate rights of women. As a matter of fact, The truth is that before and after the Holy Prophet, there has been no individual in the history of the world who safeguarded the rights of women as he did. In matters of inheritance, marriage, spousal relations, divorce, in the right of owning personal estate, in the right of using one's personal estate, in the rights of education, in the rights of child custody and upbringing, in the right of participating in national and domestic affairs, in the matter of individual freedom, in religious rights and obligations, in every religious and worldly field where a woman can possibly tread. The Holy Prophet has accepted all her legitimate rights and has proclaimed that the protection of her rights is a sacred trust and duty vouchsafed to his community. It is for this very reason that women of Arabia considered the advent of the Holy Prophet to be a message of salvation.
3: He further writes, I am compelled
1: to digress from my subject matter, as women's rights was not the subject under discussion. Otherwise, I would have elaborated that the teachings of the Holy Prophet with respect to women truly stands upon such a lofty pedestal that no religion and no civilization has been able to reach it. Most definitely, this beautiful statement of the Holy Prophet is based on such a deep truth that. Meaning, among the things of this world, the things for which my disposition has been leavened with love, are women and fragrance. But the delight of my eye is in salat, i.e. the worship of Allah. Today there are people who raise their voices in defense of women's rights and focus their attention on some superficial matters which have nothing to do with freedom at all. Instead, some raise allegations against the Islamic teachings in which there are certain restrictions, but these are only in place to uphold the honour of women for the sake of peace at home and for the moral training of the next generation. In actuality, the teachings of Islam are such that it grants women freedom and safeguards their rights. May Allah enable the world to understand this reality and be safeguarded from all evil and immorality. And may our women also understand the true reality of these teachings, as at times they can be influenced by society and perceive their proposed model of freedom to be correct. May they understand the true essence of the Islamic teachings and also the rank and honor bestowed to women by Islam, because no other religion has granted such honor nor has any so-called women's rights, organizations, or movements. May Allah enable men to also safeguard the rights of women in accordance with the teachings of Islam, so that a peaceful society can be established. After this, I would like to briefly speak about the present situation and also urge everyone to pray. Everyone should pray to Allah the Almighty to remove the coronavirus pandemic from the world, but also for people to be granted wisdom and foresight so they can realize that the only chance of future prosperity is for them to submit to the one God and to fulfill the rights of others. It is through sacrifices that one can truly eradicate the evils and disorder may Allah grant wisdom to the governments so they can run the affairs of their country based on justice these days there is unrest and disorder in USA may every ahmadi be saved from its ill effects and may the people present their demands and attain their rights through the correct means If African-Americans are causing damage and disorder in the homeland, then they will only be causing harm to themselves. Many African leaders have also said the same, that they should not cause damage and destruction to their own country. Indeed, they should strive to get their rights, but should do so in the correct manner and remaining within the parameters of the law. They can protest, but causing damage to their own properties will be of no benefit. Instead, it is detrimental to their own cause. Therefore, those who are carrying out the protests should ponder over this. The government should also understand the situation that simply using force to respond to this is not the answer. And neither is using force the solution to solving problems. In fact, governments can only function when all citizens are given their due rights. It is only through this that peace and prosperity can prevail and not without this. Irrespective of how powerful a government may be, if there is unrest among the people, the government cannot remain established. Nevertheless, May Allah remove all the unrest and disorder throughout the world. May governments fulfill the rights of His citizens and may the citizens obtain their rights by pursuing their demands whilst remaining within the parameters of the law. Similarly, the government of Pakistan should also reflect upon this and not increase persecution and injustices against Ahmadis simply due to fear of the Mullahs rather they ought to run their government by upholding justice and learn the lessons from the past by using the issue of Ahmadiyyat and perpetrating cruelties against Ahmadi's, neither has previous governments remained established nor can they do so in the future therefore they ought to abandon the thought that through this issue they can extend their time in government. Indeed, owing to this persecution, Ahmadiyyat has spread and progressed throughout the world and God willing, it will continue to do so in the future. This is the will of God Almighty and no one has the power to stop it. Nonetheless, it is our prayer that may Allah remove all injustices, unrest and disorder. And due to the current pandemic that is widespread, may people pay heed to it and bring about a transformation within themselves. May we as Ahmadis be granted the opportunity to fulfill the rights of our worship and also the rights owed to mankind even more than before so that we may become the recipients of the love of Allah and be able to witness success and progress.
0: Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, الحمد wa Nastainahu wa ونستغفره wa به bihi wa wa min anfusina مَن يَدُلُّ فَلَا مُدِلُّ لَهُ وَمَن يَنْلُهُ فَلَا غَيْرُهُ اللَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَنَشْدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا اللَّهُ Inna allah ya'amaru bil adli wal lhissan wa itai dhi qurba wa yanha 'anil al wal munkari wal-gham ya'izukum la'allakum tadakkaroon. Uzkurullahi yazkurkum. و هو ساجب لكم